talking with Michael Ellen Vogan, who is an international advocate really pushing progress through, um, helping not only individuals, but businesses and organizations and communities, um, states and countries um, come together and, and really make a difference when it comes to dementia. And our topic today is going to be driving in dementia, which I think is going to be really <clears throat> very, very interesting. But before I introduce uh, Michael and, and really get into our conversation, I always like to tell people a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks because we're always getting new listeners. And bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort around the world. We're also known as a media outlet because not only do we have radio, but we have a blog, we have a website, <clears throat> we do videos, um, so we have a YouTube channel, and our, our videos, um, one of the most popular is called Dementia Chats, where I interview those um, with dementia to be able to get their insights on how do they want to see the world and the rest of us uh, develop and um, serve them as the disease progresses. Alzheimer Speaks also believes that by joining forces and sharing knowledge is really the only way we are going to be able to, you know, battle this disease. It, it takes a collaboration. It takes a village to remove the stigmas. And, and to really do that, I think we have to have some pretty simple conversations um, sitting around our kitchen tables or, you know, um, in the living room, going for a walk, uh, we have to stop having fear uh, hold us back and, and really, really talk about this. I also want to thank all of our listeners because you see, because of your dedication to our show, you have um, got us some wonderful accolades, which, you know, aren't just ours. They belong to everyone. The most recent is becoming a health hero for 2018 Um which was recognized by Oprah, but we've also been recognized by Maria Shriver as an architect of change and Dr. Oz and Sharecare as the number one influencer online for Alzheimer's. And we didn't do that alone. That was all of you pushing our content out. And that is such a critical feat, not so much to get the accolades, but to get the information to the people in need. And all of us have these huge spheres of people that are dealing with dementia but don't always tell us. And, you know, they're no different than the rest of us. The, the more we see something, the more comfortable typically we are reaching out and grabbing that content when we need it. I'd also like to invite 
all of you to be guests on the show. If you have a story you'd like to share, maybe you are somebody wondering if you have dementia, maybe you've been diagnosed, or maybe you're caring for a loved one, we'd love to talk with you about your journey. Maybe you're a business um, or an individual that has a service, a product, or a tool that you um, have already launched or maybe you're in the process of. Maybe you're a researcher and developer. Um, Maybe you are an advocate. Maybe you're somebody that doesn't know a lot about dementia and has some questions and you'd just like to have a conversation on that. We'd love to hear from you. Um, So reach out to me. You can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and from there, just click on the big contact button and, um, you know, give me a shout. I'd love to to, uh, see if we could um, figure something out for a show. I also want to uh, give a shout-out to a few organizations that I just adore. The Call Alert Center, which has a caregiver-specific program in case somebody would wander, is a wonderful organization that can just help you be prepared in case a crisis would occur. They work not only with you, um, but they also work with the police to, to help secure that person. Um, For under $15 a year, you can just kind of all sleep a little bit easier knowing that that's in place should you need it. They also deal with our pets and our children and people who travel. Um, This isn't just dementia specific. Uh, Maria Shriver is doing a wonderful job with her women's Alzheimer's movement. Many people call it WHAM. So if you hear WHAM, that's, uh, that's what it's about. It's not a Batman show. Um, She'll be launching again her Move for Minds event, which typically takes place in June, and I will let you more, 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 I'm tripping on my words, I will let you know more details when I have them. Let's see, the um, Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation is, um, is absolutely wonderful and holistic in their approach and the uh, American Senior Magazine. Again, I love their large print and their great articles um, and photography in in that magazine. A lot of people also are looking for memory cafes. Those can be found at memorycafedirectory.com. That's memorycafedirectory.com. You'll just search by state there. Um, or maybe you have a memory cafe and you'd like to um, get yours registered, you can just contact Dave through that site and he'll gladly add you. For those of you that aren't familiar with memory cafes, that is a, um, its I hate to call it a support group, it's really a gathering of people with dementia and their care partners um, who get together and each, each group does it a little bit different. Um, some meet once a month, some meet every week. Uh, so you'll have to check, but it really is about just a, a safe place where you can um, build a community of, of trust and friendship. Uh, it's a pretty, pretty special program. I've been involved with them for many years now with a concept we brought over from, um, from the UK. Uh, so check that out. And then some people are interested in submitting a video for the Neurofilm Festival. Um, those are due by March 2nd. So you will want to go to neurofilmfestival.com to learn more about that and to get uh, to get your video posted. Let's see. Let's get back to Michael here in this Driving with Technology. Again, I'm really excited to have this conversation, and I'm, I'm honored to have Michael Michael with me. He has, he has such a presence um, 
internationally and 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 such a strong hold with so many groups. Um, he has great insights and um, has really pushed um, for for change for so many years. I um, I I have worked with Michael. He's part of our Dementia Chats. Uh, webinars that we do. He was also one of our um, speakers on the cruise that we just did, uh, being dementia friendly. So, Michael, I'm going to have you go ahead and tell people um, a little about your history, if you don't mind, um, when you started noticing symptoms and when you got diagnosed, I think would be helpful for the audience. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Lori. Uh, let's see. It, it all started, I guess, back around, uh, oh boy, uh, I'm trying to think now. I guess at the age of 39, I, uh, started experiencing some, uh, difficulties of, uh, having, uh, problems of, uh, remembering my staff's names and, uh, acronyms in my field and, uh, just common extension numbers. So after about 10 years, uh, I finally was able to uh, get a diagnosis of having Alzheimer's, and uh, for the longest time I thought that's what I had, and uh, I guess about another 10 years later went by, and uh, I was uh, very fortunate to be able to get uh, an amyloid PET scan, which as you probably know, uh, that is not covered by insurance yet, and uh Amazingly, it was discovered that I did not have Alzheimer's disease, uh, and uh, they were looking at something called SNAP, and also that uh, I, I could possibly have uh, semantic dementia, which is something else they thought I had. So uh, at, at this point in time, the only sure thing is I have some form of dementia. Okay, but you're not quite sure what form, and there's so many different forms out there. It's it is really a, a crapshoot, uh, and so many of the doctors don't even know all the different types out there. And it gets really complicated. But you've struggled with this a, a long time. I mean, you're talking 30 years, or I'm um, 20 years with with symptoms then, because you're in your late 50s and started in your in your late 30s with this. Um, it had to be really uh, a frustration um, growing, not only for you but for your family as well. I would imagine. It definitely was, uh, especially in the first 10 years. But uh, to, to be honest with you, at this point in time, it's been so long, I, I, I really don't care anymore in reference to what it really is. All I know is I have something that's impacting me, and uh, sadly to say it has been uh, declining over the years uh, slowly, which I'm very lucky and fortunate for that. Uh, but... You know, I, I, I think it, it, it really doesn't matter what you do have uh, because I think as long as you still, you know, try to do all the right things like exercise and eat right and, you know, hopefully, you know, you, you could delay it a little bit, uh, they're all treated the same way no matter what you have. Uh, so from that standpoint, it, it, it does not really matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I well, I would imagine it just kind of wears on you when you're trying to figure it out constantly when when even the professionals don't know. So I think it's good that you just let it go and, and move forward with that. Um, now, today I really wanted to focus on driving in technology. And um, 
I know that you're still driving, and I thought we'd start out with, um, has your need or want to drive changed since since your diagnosis? Well, I, I got to tell you, for me, it was kind of, I guess, scary for a while because back in, I guess, around uh, 2009, uh, I had been tested for dementia and Alzheimer's and everything, and uh, one of the things that they tested was also my driving capability. And uh, at that time, I, I did it on a simulator, driving simulator. And one of the recommendations that came back from the doctor at that point was that I should no longer drive. And when we questioned the doctors further, why shouldn't I drive, it wasn't that I had failed the test, but their concern was that I may end up at a later time and date, have difficulties, and I won't know when that will happen. So they were just trying to be on the cautious side and recommended that I stop driving. Well, I got to tell you, at that point in time, I was already having my own issues uh, where I, I was losing my self-esteem when it came to driving because I was unsure of myself anymore because I knew I was having all these other difficulties uh, related to dementia, and I wasn't sure whether that was having an impact on my driving capabilities uh, or anything else, uh, for that matter, related to driving and uh, that's all my wife needed to hear was the recommendation from the doctor. Then she started questioning things even further. So uh, all that really started to take its toll on me on whether I was still really capable of driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like I said, my self-esteem was really bad. So we we did some research and everything, and uh, during that time frame, I had decided that I really had to prove whether I was going to be able to continue driving or give it up altogether. And uh, as you may recall, I had taken a trip down to Florida, and I drove all the way down to Florida, all the way down to the Keys for like three weeks. And uh, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, it was the best thing I could have ever done because my self-esteem had changed. I realized I was very capable of driving, and I was driving very good. Uh, I, I will say that I was not driving at the highest level that I was in the past. And what I mean by that was I realized I was starting to slow down a little bit in my reactions. And, you know, it it was having a slight impact, but not enough to impact my driving. And what I mean by that is my response time might have been slower than it used to be. But it was still fast enough for what I would say an average driver would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we, we're, we're all at different reaction times if we were to be measured. And, mm-hmm. like, for example, somebody who's older, somebody who's 60, 70 years old, while they're still behind a wheel and driving their reaction time is going to be much slower than someone who's, of course, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So while I might not have been as quickly as somebody who was young, I was still reacting quick enough in comparison to somebody who's much older. So that's what I'm trying to let you understand that 
I was impacted, but not impacted in a great deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, it's it's uh, it's interesting, I think, because there's so many conversations about you know should you drive or shouldn't you drive and. And um, I know years ago we did a special on this with all kind, and you were part of that. Um, all kinds of professionals, and some of the professionals even changed their mind, thinking someone with dementia should should stop right away. And then um, after hearing the conversations and kind of where people were coming from, had actually changed their mind and said, "Well, you know, maybe that's not true." And uh, and so I and I still hear you know people talk about you know, will I be insured and, you know, what's, what's going to happen with all of that. And it's just, it's a very interesting, um, I think a very, very interesting topic. Um, And one that, you know, can kind of have a life of its own. Now, I know you had thought about getting a car for a while and then you kind of, you pushed it off and um, decided just to kind of stay with your original vehicle. And now recently you've decided you know, to go and uh, take that step and purchase one. Can you share with us first, why did you, why did you wait to do it? What were your thoughts that, that made you decide to wait to purchase a, a new car with new, new technology? Sure, Lori. Uh, but before doing that, I, I'd like to just step back I, one second. I, I remember that show that you were talking about, and that was a great show. And, and I would like to share with your listeners that since that time, there's been a lot of people that's been changing their attitudes and minds about uh, whether people with dementia should drive, and they were realizing that maybe all those tests that are out there aren't quite right for uh, making that diagnosis. And uh, so th- there's been some great changes in, uh, you know, since that time. So I, I, I really commend the people who've been uh, looking out for people with dementia, uh, and I hope it continues to uh, progress and uh, more investigation uh, continues uh, because, as you know, all because you have dementia one day doesn't necessarily mean that you should stop driving. Mm-hmm. Anyway, getting back to your question, I it was, I think, back around 2010, uh, I, I just wanted to buy a new car because my other car was like about 12 years old already, and uh, I, I wanted a new car, but I, I just was very hesitant at that time because I didn't know how much longer I'd be able to drive. I mean, everybody tells you, you know, you have dementia, you have Alzheimer's, that, you know, your your license is most likely around the corner that you have to give it up any day. And Mm -hmm. I just, in the back of my mind, thought that, you know, in another year, you know, I won't be able to drive, so I'm going to have to give up the car. Well, that continued for three years. And I'm thinking, boy, I'm losing a lot of time here. That I, you know, if I would have reacted three years ago, I could have had a car already. And mm-hmm. I said to myself, I said, you know, this is crazy. I, I, I just don't know when I'm not going to be able to drive anymore. I, and I, I have to do something. So I finally talked to my wife, and you know, I decided that I was going to buy a new car. And in 2013, I finally bought a new car. And I got to tell you. It was the best thing I could have done because where I had indicated to you earlier that my response time was a little bit slower, the car made up for all that. Mm-hmm. And how it did that was, well, one of the problems I might have had was my reaction to take off and to 
go faster when I needed to to get in front of cars. Well, this car had a lot of power and speed. So it was so powerful that it was just capable of just speeding right up and getting in front of any car that I had to uh, or to be able to, you know, get in between cars if I needed to. So it made up for that uh, slower process for me. And I also might have been slower at the braking and things like Well, this also made up for that also because it allowed me to brake much quicker and the brakes were more powerful. So because of that, it slowed me down in a much shorter period of time than my other car. So just the new technology alone was able to make up for some of my problems in my skill sets. Mm -hmm. And... It, it made a huge difference, and almost immediately, you know, I was driving with my wife, and that's one thing I highly recommend. You know, don't don't think that you know you can drive well. Make sure you're driving with somebody that can ensure you drive well, because uh, mm-hmm. one thing I've learned, we don't always know what we're capable of doing or not capable of doing, so it, it really uh, depends on making sure a third party is in the vehicle with you that can ensure that you are driving safely, and it's not just uh, something that you think you can do. Uh, and uh, my dri- my wife drives with me on a regular basis at least uh, once every two weeks, if not more frequently, and she determines whether I'm able to drive. And she realized right away that I was doing very good. Uh, in fact, uh, I-, I remember right around that time after getting the new car, uh, somebody had jumped right out in front of me, and I was able to maneuver quickly uh, with the car and everything and just go around them. And I, I, I think most people would have gotten in an accident and here my reactions were so great. And uh, again, I believe it was the technology in the car that allowed me to do that so much better where with my other car, I might not have been so lucky. Okay. I know I, um, you know, I travel a lot, so I get rental cars and you know, for me, I I love some of the features, but some of them are confusing to me too. Um, and more more of that is getting into the car, or getting the trunk open, because they're all so different. Um, or, or where you put the key, or is there a key? I'll, you know, it, it they just or is there a button to push? Have you found any of that stuff um, confusing to you at all? Absolutely. Uh, I I could tell you when I got the first car, the new car, uh, I definitely uh, had some issues trying to figure things out. Uh, It took me a much longer time to read the manual uh, and uh, took me a long time to absorb things. Uh, But uh, most things I I was able to get by fairly quickly. Uh, I will be honest with you, some things I never did get. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I had trouble uh, setting up the GPS in the car that uh, that came with it and everything, but I had already had a GPS in my other car that I could move around. So I just continued to use that GPS, and, uh, you know, if I had to run into anything that I needed to know, I always had the manual that I could go to, you know, and to figure out. Okay. Yeah, I, I always figure it out, too, but it's, <laughs> it's just always a little bit a little bit frustrating. So basically your hope in terms of getting a new vehicle with this technology was to really extend your driving and increase not only your safety but others on the road around you. Is that would would that be an accurate statement? 
Well, to be honest with you, at that time, I never even thought about the technology was going to help me. It was really more wanting a new car, and I, I thought that the brakes would be better. That that part I thought would be better, but mm-hmm. it really wasn't that until I got the car and I started utilizing the car did I realize that because of the years of investments, uh, things were better for me because of that technology. Uh, so from that point on, I started thinking, boy, technology's really got to be great. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, th- that's the one thing I learned from making that transaction then. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, why don't we talk about some of the, the other new technology that you've learned about since you were, you know, shopping and then since purchased a car um, that you have found found helpful? I know one of the things, like, that I really like is just the um, the little flashy things if someone is in your blind spot. Um, I just think that that is so helpful. Do you have that on your vehicle? Well, I now have a new vehicle that I uh, mm-hmm. just uh, recently purchased, and it, it has all those features. In fact, uh, it it all started with me looking uh, in the last year uh, at all these fabulous technology features that they've been coming out with in these vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I just kept reading about all these different things that they have and I was just so impressed. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I only buy a car when it's about 10 or 12 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. I buy a new car. Well, this was the first time in my life that I bought a new car after four and a half years. And the only reason I bought this new car, uh, and that was just uh, at the end of uh, December, was because of all this technology. I mean, they have these features out there today that are just amazing. They have things like uh, automatic high beams where they automatically turn on and off. Uh, my, my vehicle, it has a, a feature on it. It's called the bird's eye view camera. It actually allows you to see around the whole entire perimeter of the car. I mean, I literally can see the lines uh, on either side of me, or I could see if there's a line right in front of the car. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just amazing. Or I could see where the, the, the car is in front of me and uh, where the car is in back of me. Uh, you actually see a, a real view of that. Uh, and, excuse me a second. <coughs> and the other thing, you, you know, you mentioned this uh, blind spot monitoring. That mm-hmm. is such a fabulous feature. It It is really great that you can not only count on your own eyes to look in the rear view mirror, but if there's one thing I learned in my old car, my old car had a blind spot. Mm-hmm. No matter how good you were, there was still a possibility that you might have missed something. Well, with blind spot monitoring, it actually ensures that if I miss something, the car will pick it up. And what it will do is it'll show you something in the mirror that there's something there. Plus, if you allow it to go too far, it'll even try to pull you back away from, you know, the vehicle uh, that you're heading for. So uh, it's just amazing. Uh, The the, the 
technology that they have created today, and like uh, they have uh, something called brake assist uh, and smart stop technology, which also, like if I hit the brake really hard, what it will do is it will sense that I did that, and it will actually apply even greater pressure than I can actually apply uh, without having the brakes uh, skid or anything like that. So it, it's it's really amazing uh, the things that they've created. Uh, another feature that they have is uh, dynamic radar cruise control, and uh, what that allows you to do is, you know how you go on your cruise control, and in the past if you were coming up on a vehicle, you had to uh, hit the brake, and of course the minute you did that, uh, you had to use start the cruise control again. Well, the features today, it automatically slows down the car without you even have to doing anything. And as the traffic picks up, it will pick up the speed on its own. All, so you never have to touch the cruise control again. It's, it, it all does this for you. Uh, so there, there's a lot of fantastic features out there. Uh, and I can go on uh, if you'd like, uh, but there, there's sure. a ton of features. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have things out there. Uh, that enhance the stability of the vehicle, like uh, if you should try to go uh, on something slippery, uh, like on a curb or something, it actually picks up the wheels that are slipping, and it corrects for the ones that are, and it puts you back on track. Uh, For example, uh, we had some snow here, I guess a couple uh, weeks ago, and I had allowed my wife to take the vehicle, uh, and she came back and told me that the vehicle was slipping and everything. So I wanted to really see whether it was doing that or not. And I took it out in the snow, and we had about, uh, I think, three, four inches of snow. I don't remember, but it was that real slippery stuff. So I took the vehicle, and I started from a stop condition, and I just floored the gas just to see how we would handle the snow. Believe it or not, it just kept the car going perfectly straight. And it never slid to one side or the other. So this goes to show you what the uh, technology was able to do for me. I mean, if this was a regular car, I'd be sliding all over the place. In fact, probably the car would have twisted completely around in a circle. Yet that technology allowed me to go continuously straight without any problems whatsoever. Uh, that, that That is just amazing, amazing. Uh, Another feature it has is front and rear sonar. So for, let's say you're trying to uh, pull out on the uh, road, uh, and you're between cars, well, it looks to the sides, and it can actually let you know whether it is a problem or not, uh, whether it is a vehicle coming. So it, it prevents you from you know, pulling out and smacking a vehicle. Uh, that might be uh, coming that you didn't see. Uh, it also has uh, the sonar where it kicks in where uh, you end up coming close to hitting an object, and if you're close enough, it will actually apply the brakes for you uh, to try to uh, slow down the impact or possibly in stop, stop it all together so you don't even hit the object or a person. Uh it, it, it has uh, pre-collision systems for where you might uh, hit a pedestrian, and it will, again, do the same thing, apply the brakes and uh, hopefully lessen the impact or have no impact again. Uh, so 
it, it, it's just amazing. The, the only thing the vehicle did not have is a self-driveless car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, and, and I think that's coming next. I, I don't think that's too far away. Wow. That's that's unbelievable. Now, um, do you have, like, the, the camera then, like, when you're backing up, is it displays, I would imagine? What's yes. Behind uh, you a, you a camera... A camera actually, uh, see, there's actually, I think, five or six cameras on the vehicle. And uh, any time I start to park or come close or slow down, it actually switches into the camera mode. So you automatically see it right on your uh, uh, dash area uh, where the entertainment system is. It immediately shows you all your surroundings. You even can see a curb. You can actually see the curb where it's at. So there's just no chance of hitting your wheels anymore on a curb uh, because you can see everything. Uh, it, it is uh, just amazing. Wow. So you don't you don't find that stuff um, distractive at all. You just see it as really helpful um, for you when you're driving. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, that in combination with uh, my... Uh, rear view mirrors and the mirrors, you know, and, and to be able to look at all those, I, you know, I, I may be a little bit slower at looking at it and backing up and doing things, but mm-hmm. it ensures I can't hit anything. I mean, you, you, you really, ha- it, it, it really takes the guesswork out of things anymore. Uh, I, I mean, my, my wife has driven this and she, she, she's just amazed with it herself. Uh, it, it, I, I believe this is something that has to be in every vehicle going forward. Uh, I, I think this will make us all so much safer drivers, and uh, I, I, I believe this will allow me to drive longer than I might have been able to drive uh, with, with my vehicle. And the nice thing is it makes up for where I may slip up. You know, it's very easy to to think that you're going to make a left turn and, uh, you know, for a moment you might have a blind spot or something. This just reinforces what I'm seeing and that I can make that left turn because I'm looking and I can see that it also sees that there's nothing there. So it's kind of great because it confirms that you're going to do the right thing. And if I Mm -hmm. don't and there is something there, it's going to beep at me immediately to notify me that, hey, don't do this, stupid, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I I think it's great. Well, that's good. That's good. I know the I love the cameras and um, and like I said, the little flashy things on the the um, rear view mirrors and things, you know, letting you know or the in the side mirrors. I, I just find all of that stuff so helpful. Now, did you find things like just in the car with adjustable? Seats. I mean, you know, I think back to when I was a teenager and you just kind of got in the car and it barely moved. I mean, you could move it back and forth and that was about it. But now you have seats that have so many different positions and, and you know, it'll remember what you like and, and just getting you really comfortable behind the wheel. Um, some, the pedals move. Um, do you have all of, do you find all of that stuff really helpful too? in terms of your your comfort level for driving? Absolutely. But the problem (laughs) I I, I find is this time when I got the car, I really had trouble setting things up and reading the manual. 
mm-hmm. so this time I had to rely on my wife to help me in the sense that we set the options up, but I had needed her help to help set up a lot of these options. Mm-hmm. But once they're set up, I'm able to use them, like, you know, push the buttons and, you know, use everything. It was just the setup functions that were hard for me to try to figure out. Now, I probably could have done that. It just would have taken me a much longer time to do it, uh, and it just made it a lot easier to work with her to do it. Plus, she helped me understand things uh, where I might not have understood it clearly, but she helped me understand what the functionalities of the items were and how they worked and things like that. So uh, that is the one thing I did find a little bit harder this time uh, from the last time. Uh, so, uh, you know, there are probably things in the vehicle that I probably will never use that are there, uh, some of the technology. Uh, but again, we've turned on all the features, all the safety features to ensure that they're always on and uh, I know what sounds they make and things like that, so I know how to react when they do make those sounds, and it's just going to be one of those things that I won't play with. They'll just mm-hmm. always be on. Uh, and uh, if I had to play with them, that would probably be a little bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I don't think there's a need to have to do that. Okay, okay. Um well, interesting. I, I, when you were out looking at cars, um, and you know, I, I'm sure you always are really good at your research and stuff. Did you see a significant difference in terms of of pricing from vehicles that have these types of this type of equipment, or do you see that most of them just do nowadays? Well, I, I, I think. A lot of manufacturers are starting to put a lot of these features there. Uh, most of them charge you extra for them. Some of them actually come standards with their vehicles, and uh, I, I think that's going to be the way it's going to be heading going forward is I think that's going to become a standard features in all vehicles. Uh, but uh, from a pricing standpoint, uh, I, I think – they were all basically in the same ballpark for the added features. Again, it's the cars themselves that you're really paying for. You know what? You know whether it was a luxury car or not. Uh, but I think uh, you know three, four grand uh, is what they were asking additional for cars with those features. And uh, to me, I, I think if you buy a car today, you have to get those features. I mean, it's it, to me, it, it, it's a must. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're better off getting something in the car uh, that uh, you don't need and get the safety features. You know, ra- you know, rather than get leather seats, I, I think it's more critical to get the safety features uh, that may help save your life. Uh, so I, I think uh, from that standpoint, uh, you, you need to make the right decisions. Uh, but I will tell you this. There was some pretty big differences in the prices just in the same vehicles, comparing them from one uh, dealership to another. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. So are you saying that the, like the, the exact same model between dealerships, or are you saying, because, I mean, there's so many, like, similar SUVs, I mean, that look alike, that uh, it can be a real big price difference? Actually, uh the same car that I bought, uh, I went to one dealership, 
and they actually were trying to give me a great price and everything, and they could not come close to giving me the price that I wanted. And I went to another dealership that was probably about 10 miles away from the other dealership, and they were able to get that same vehicle for $2,600 less. And the crazy thing is they ended up going to that same dealer to get that car. <laughs> Interesting. That's one of the things I think that frustrates me when I'm shopping and doing a major purchase is how do you know you're getting the best price, you know, with things like that? It's just uh it's very, very interesting to try to figure that all out and, and very frustrating sometimes too, um, for me anyways. It's I, I don't know. It, it's like how can that be how can there be that big of a difference from one to another? But but everybody's weighing their profit and loss and, and has their different sales and stuff, I suppose, at different times. But as a consumer, <clears throat> I, I just find it frustrating. Um, oh, it's it's extremely frustrating. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, most people, uh, sadly to say, end up getting taken when they buy cars. In fact, I had written a book years ago on that subject, and uh, that's the one thing uh, that I, I'm very good at, negotiating and uh, getting the right price. So uh, I was uh, able to get a, a good price, which, to be honest with you, I was kind of surprised uh, that my uh, – Dementia didn't hurt me uh, from uh, getting a good price, uh, but my wife was even shocked that I got such a good price. Well, that's good. That's that's great. That's great to hear. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask you <clears throat> is, you know, with your family, have you have you had issues with with your wife or your daughter um, in terms of their, you know, them not wanting you to drive and you wanting to drive over the years? Has that ever been an issue for you? Because I know for some people with dementia, that is a, that's kind of a sticking point. No, not not recently. But I, I did have, I guess, for a short period of time after I had gotten my test back in 2009, uh, after the doctors had recommended that I don't drive, uh, at that point in time, my wife was a little concerned about it. And her concern was more really... Uh, that if I did get an accident with the insurance covered and things like that, and of course uh, we did some research and we spoke to insurance agents and everything, and they all came back indicating that, hey, that's what insurance is for. If, you know, you have an accident, they cover that, whether you have dementia mm-hmm. or not. Uh, so uh, that made her feel a lot better and everything, and uh, it, it really wasn't related to my driving capability uh, that that uh, made her think that way. It was just more her, her concern that if I did get in an accident, would I would she be covered or would we possibly lose the house, you know, by getting sued or something? Uh, mm-hmm. So that was really her concern. And uh, after finding out all the details and everything, uh, she felt a lot more comfortable with everything. And uh, she kind of changed her attitude with me and thought that hey. I'm doing very good at driving, and there was no reason for me to stop. Uh, but I did go for a short period of time where I think she was starting to think that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and I think that that's normal, especially when people are hearing from others that might not have all the information or the knowledge um, regarding driving. Now, one of the things I, I did want to talk to you about, too, if you don't mind sharing, is 
um, you have taken the driver's test. And, and what are your thoughts about the driving test? Because I, I know that, you know, in, in certain states it's mandated, others, you know, it, it can be a voluntary thing. Um, but can you explain to people what your driver's test was like and what your thoughts were about it? Well, I t- I've taken multiple driver's tests. The, the, the one that I took that I was actually being tested on was the one that I did in the simulator. And in the simulator, it's not like a car. It's mm-hmm. very different than being in a car. In fact, you have to learn new buttons and things to do that are very different than a car. Uh, like your turn signal is different because then you have to remember this button and that button. So you, you, you actually have to learn new things in order to be able to drive the car or the simulator. So that in itself is a real problem. Uh, and you're looking at a video screen. And uh, again, it's nothing like driving a car. So in my opinion, that is not a good way to test people on how to uh, drive. Uh, and I, I think that really creates some real problems. Uh, because of that uh, bad experience that I had, uh, I ended up wanting to find out what driving test was really like for uh, these people who have to go and do driving tests uh, with uh, these uh, places that charge you about $350, $400 today. Uh, and they're all over the states. Uh, where people who uh, have uh, some form of uh, memory impairment or dementia uh, are told to go to uh, by their doctors. And uh, I went to see what it was like firsthand. Now, I did not physically take the test in uh, with the idea that I was going to pass or fail it. I went there as a person who was looking to see what the test was like and how it impacted people. That was the whole point. Uh, I worked with the tester to see what kind of testing they do. And I have to tell you, again, I, I felt that was unfair on how they went about doing that. While the test being part of the questionnaire would prove somebody has dementia, it did not correlate to their driving ability. So that was a real problem for me that I saw with that. Another issue that uh, I I thought was really bad was you are not able to drive your own vehicle. Well, most people who have dementia are going to feel very comfortable in their own vehicle and may not feel comfortable in a new vehicle or a different vehicle. So the vehicle you have to go out in is a vehicle that's really designed to be for handicap accessible. And what that means is it has all kinds of gadgets and instruments in there that can accommodate all kinds of people with all kinds of disabilities. It could be a person who doesn't have arms. It could be a person who doesn't have a foot. It's got all kinds of things in there extra just on the steering wheel alone. It's got all kinds of bumps and all kinds of things. So you're driving a vehicle that's extremely strange. So that in itself creates a lot of problems for, I will tell you, I would think for even people who don't have dementia. Uh, so, uh, again, I, I don't think uh, the way they go about testing people is a fair way, and I think a lot of people will flunk those tests 
just because they're putting in a strange type of environment, and uh, uh, I think those issues create problems. Most interestingly, in the last, I'd say, year, year and a half, uh, they, they actually came out with something that was done. I don't remember where in Europe now, but uh, one of the places in Europe uh, had looked at how they were doing these driving tests and everything, and they came back that uh, they had made recommendations that they weren't the only way they would use to test people with dementia because they realized those tests were not fair and uh, they came to the same conclusions I came up with. Uh, and in fact, uh, they've now come up with a place in uh, the United States that they wrote a similar thing, uh, the same organization, uh, that they also don't recommend it uh, to be used here. Uh, what's also interesting, from the time you and I had that uh, radio show, uh, when we did have the radio show, I think it was called the ANA, and I don't remember what that stands for, but the ANA uh, at that time had indicated that if you did have dementia, that people should no longer drive. They are no longer making that recommendation. They're now saying that people should be tested. So they are slowly starting to change how they treat people with dementia. Now, there are a bunch of states out there, and I don't remember exactly how many, but I think there was about half the states that the minute you did have dementia, you automatically lost your driver's license. It was that simple. You didn't have to take a driver's license test or anything. You lost your license. Uh, and uh, I, I, I think over the next coming years, as they become more educated and they start to realize these things, I think you're going to see a change. And I think the change is going to be for the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. There, we've come a long ways. We still have a really long, long ways to go. But you can see, you can see people, um, both individuals and corporations and communities, starting to, to come together to make a difference for this and to look at things in a, in a real different light than what there was. And, and one of the beautiful things I think about dementia is, you know, whatever's good for dementia is really good for everybody. It's not going to harm, you know, the next guy. Um, it just is going to enhance everybody's everybody's life. So, um, you know, I, I really admire all of the advocating that you've done and the the connections that, that you have made and are involved with in terms of, of pushing our care culture forward. And it would be nice for the dealerships, you know, um, to really understand more about dementia uh, because I think when people come in and I've heard this from people in our memory cafe saying you know we have we need to get a different car so for them it may be at that point not that the person is driving but they need a car that's just more accessible to, to help somebody get in and out of and for a salesperson to be educated on that along with the technology I think would be really helpful um, I, I know when I was um, caring for my mom, I would have really appreciated that a lot. Um, but that didn't seem to, they didn't seem to understand, you know, the needs of a, of a care partner, let alone somebody, somebody with dementia. And uh, I, I think they could ease people's minds a lot <laughs> in terms of sales approach and and things there. Um, our time is winding down here. I can't believe it. Uh, this is just uh, just 
it kind of blows me away how fast the, the time has gone. Um, do you have any any last thoughts that you want to tell people about um, driving and technology and, and maybe just mindset in general about driving? Well, I think it's very important to realize that while technology is great, it cannot help all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't want anybody to think that all because you get uh, a better technology car that if you weren't capable of driving, that this technology car is going to make up for that. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, what it will do is help somebody who's still capable of driving to hopefully be a better driver. Uh, and, and that's the one thing I do want people to understand. Uh, and it is critically important that uh, people who do have uh, some form of dementia, uh, in my view, to at least go out with uh, their care partner at least once every two weeks, if not more frequently, just to ensure that they are still able to drive and uh, that they're not a risk uh, to others or themselves. Uh, And and I think that's a really important takeaway uh, for all of this. Uh, Hopefully, uh, maybe the next five years, people won't have to worry about that and they'll have driverless cars and uh, people with dementia will be able to get around no matter what. And uh, I think that will resolve a lot of issues for a lot of people going forward. Uh, And uh, people will still be able to get to wherever they want to get to because the car will be doing all the driving. Mm-hmm. And uh, I look forward to those days. I, I, I think it's going to be uh, really uh, a, a great uh, time and change and a real benefit to those with dementia. I, I kind of think of that as what GPS has done for me today. I don't know what people with dementia would have done without GPS. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what still allows me to get from place to place today. Uh, without it, I'd be lost. And a lot of people tend to think that, well, if you get lost, you shouldn't be driving. No, that's not the way it should work. Yeah. If you got a tool that works for you and can get you there and get you back at home and everywhere you want to go, why not use it? And that's Thanks. all people should be thinking about. So I, I, I see driverless cars is going to do for people with dementia what GPS is doing for me today. Wonderful. Well, I, I, I think it's um, amazing, and I appreciate you kind of sharing your story in, you know, weighing out this whole, this whole piece of driving. You know, should I, shouldn't I, what do I need, what's going to work, and because um, I think it'll help a lot of other people just mesh and contemplate, you know, the process in and of itself. And when you were when you were talking, um, I have one last question. When you were talking um, with people, you know, sales reps to purchase your car, did you did you tell them that you had the disease at all and why you were looking? I sure did. I told them. In fact, I said that's the only reason I was buying a car is because of the mm-hmm. new technology and because I had Alzheimer's and I wanted to ensure I was the safest I could possibly be on the road. And that's the only reason I was buying a new car. Okay. What kind of response did you get? I'm just kind of curious. To be honest with you, I was kind of shocked because, you know, you, you want to take the car on, on a drive test and everything, and I had these sales guys with me, and none of them hesitated. They, okay. I, and I drove fast and all kind of speeds on the corners and everything, and they were all fine. So 
I was really surprised because I know if I was probably them, I would have said, hmm, this guy's got Alzheimer's and he wants me to go with him. I might have been reluctant. <laughs> but no, they, they were wonderful. They were wonderful. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, very good to hear. Well, Michael, thank you so much for spending time with us. I really do appreciate it so much. Um, for those of you, you know, that are listening, please feel free to share this episode along with many others. We just had the Roberto team on for the Roberto app, which is about brain performance the other day. And we are going to be talking with uh, Dr. Um, Sheets, I want to say it is, um, who is the scientific officer for a nonprofit called uh, the Human Microbiology Institute. And we're going to be talking about, you know, what they're investigating and how they are looking into um, Alzheimer's and dementia. But we have like six years of shows, so feel free to, to share those with others. In the meantime, um, check out alzheimerspeaks.com and you will be able to get to all of our other resources. The other thing I would really um, encourage you to check on is our Dementia Chat uh, videos where I interview people with dementia and we have kind of a group discussion on, on various topics. Very, very interesting and so insightful. So thank you again, Michael, for joining us. Um, people may want to be um, may want to check out your book too from the corner office, which is available on Amazon. Or um, Michael is on Facebook. He also has the Michael Ellen Ellen Bogan movement on Facebook too. Or you can always reach out to me if you'd like to connect with him directly, and I will make that happen. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great week. Bye now. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.